if you are new this week, I'll sort of catch you up. We have said over the last four weeks that you and I are in a spiritual battle. It is more spiritual than you give it credit for. I know the thing that you're facing seems like it's just a problem in our marriage. It's always existed or it's just a a struggle that I've, I've had since I was in high school. It's an addiction that I had since... I was in my 20s, or, or it's just my kids, you know, they got this certain age and things started going sideways. But what if, what if your battle isn't just physical? What if it's not against the people in your life? What if it's not against the relationships and the struggles and those that, are, that seem to be opposed to you? What if your battle is, is more spiritual than you think it is? And I believe that it is. I, I, I tell you this often, but this is not a, a hyper kind of spiritual church that believes there's a devil underneath every rock, you know, and everything wrong. I remember growing up that, it would, you know, when, when my car wouldn't start, it was a devil. When, when a car wouldn't go, it was a devil. When, uh, you know what I mean? And actually, you have to put gas in them and change the oil. Sometimes it's just that, you know what I mean? It's not really the devil. It's just you have to change the oil in it or it'll die and it won't work. And, and so I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I think we give the devil more credit than sometimes is really him. But I do think, that, that there are more spiritual things in your life than you give it credit for as well. I think there's a spiritual battle. I think if you could peel back sort of the layer in the spirit, I think you would see this spiritual battle going on in your life, that it's more spiritual than you're giving it credit for. That the problem that consistently comes up month after month or year after year in your marriage or the problem with your children and, and sort of, you know, they hit 15, 16 17 years old and now here's this attack and you think, man, I, where did this come from? I don't know. This isn't my baby. This isn't. Maybe it's more spiritual than you're giving it credit for. And if you're going to fight a spiritual battle, you can't fight it, the Bible says, with worldly weapons. You can't just fight against your boss, against your spouse, against your finances or your kids. You've got to have spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. Say amen to that. So Paul would write in 2 Corinthians like this. We don't wage war. Even though we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. The weapons we fight with, are, they're, not, they're not the same. We don't, we, we don't hold picket signs about all the evil in the world. We have spiritual battles. Are you understand what it Matter of fact, let me pause right here and tell you. Uh, once again, this, last, you know, th- th- this weekend, Brandy and I sat again on our couch praying for our friends in West Texas. Yet again, another mass shooting in Texas. Now two in West Texas, El Paso and now in Odessa. And our hearts are broken and our hearts are with those families today. I think at last I heard five or six killed and 20 some odd injured. Just a horrific event. But listen to me. And don't misunderstand my heart here. We're not going to win that war in the courts. We are not going to win that war in a a picket line. And you're not going to win that war with a Facebook post. That is a spiritual war, everybody. There is evil in this world trying to destroy our generation. And we've got to fight back in the spirit. Say amen to that, everybody. You know what's going to change? Let me tell you who showed up today in Odessa, Texas. Let me tell you who showed up. The local church showed up. That's who came. That, that, that's the hope of the world is, is a local church loving and caring for those families and, and, and so it's a spiritual thing and we need spiritual weapons the weapons that we fight with aren't weapons of the world on the contrary they have supernatural power divine power to look at this last phrase demolish strongholds I don't have time to tell you but the Greek uh, 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 of strongholds do you want to know what that is? it means strongholds 
That's what it, in the Greek it actually means strong and hold. It literally means something that has a hold on you that is more powerful than you. There's some people in this room today that you've tried to break out of depression, but it's stronger than you are. You've tried to break out of this addiction, but you can't do it. It is a strong hold in your life. It feels like it is strangling you. Matter of fact, the root word of worry is actually a word, an old English word that means to strangle. Some of you are so consumed with worry and anxiety and depression that it's a strong hold around your neck, squeezing the life out of you. And God says you can't just fight that naturally. Sure, you ought to go to a counselor, and we believe in that. And and I got a counselor, and you need a counselor. And Everybody needs a counselor. That was my Oprah moment. Everybody needs somebody. And, and, and you can read self-help books and you can get better. At, but at the end of the day, we need to go to God, everybody, to demolish that thing that's been holding me back. Are you awake today? Say amen. That's stronghold in my life. If we're going to fight spiritual battles, we need spiritual Weapons. And, and the first week I sort of read that theme verse to you. But David gives you a glimpse into what that spiritual weapon is. What I think the most powerful weapon in the arsenal of a believer is, is worship. Psalms 149 and 6 says it like this, that if the praise of God is in your mouth, in other words, if you'll engage in worship, then God supernaturally turns it into a double-edged sword in your hand. Audio, I need more on the stage. I don't have any on the stage, actually. That, uh, that, that it becomes a double-edged sword in, in, in your hand. That it's more than just actions. It's more than just what I say. It, it now, it's, it's, it's something more spiritual. That God gives you a weapon, thank you, in your worship. God has a weapon for you to fight your spiritual battles. Say amen to that. And that worship is that weapon that you and I can use. And, and I know what you're thinking. Some people think, man, I, I don't have, I, I, I'm not really a worshiper. I just, you know, I'm kind of reserved or quiet. And I know what you're saying. I know that you're saying I express myself differently than other people express yourself. I always find it funny for people who say I'm not emotional until college game day, opening day last, come on, on Saturday, suddenly everybody gets emotional. You know what I'm trying to say? Everybody. UT Texas. They, who did they play again? Who did you? University of Texas. Luling School of the Blind is who they played. It doesn't matter. And then Arkansas was playing. They played Portland State. doesn't matter. And, and uh, Alabama. Who did Alabama play? Right. Roll Tide. doesn't matter. And so everybody gets emotional at something. And, and we said on the first week that everybody has that propensity to worship. That you were created by God to put value on something. To worship something. Everybody's a worshiper. And then we said that you become like the thing that you worship. As much as you want to give that thing value and you put your passions in there and your resources there and your time there and your energy there, that in doing so, it consumes you and whatever consumes you conforms you into its likeness and whatever you're conformed into will ultimately determine the direction and destiny of your life. That you'll become like what you worship. You'll become like what you worship. And if you worship God, then, then suddenly your life begins to transform from the inside out. And then last week we said there's a war that goes on over that worship. That, that there's actually a war inside of a war. So you've got this weapon of worship that'll get you through your hardest days, your worst battles, your strongest trials. And the enemy knows that's the, the greatest weapon you have. And so he tries to take out of your hand the only weapon that God gave you to get through. 
And there's this battle over your worship. But, but, but we looked at the life of Job, and I just want to encourage you again. If the Lord gives or the Lord takes away, he said the name of the Lord is to be praised. Shout amen to that, everybody. Don't let him win the war over your worship. And, and, I, and I know it's Labor Day weekend, and so I, I, won't, I won't keep you very long, but i got to give you this final summation. I'll tell you, I love the end of a series because i gotta, I got to wrap this whole series up for you. And, and while I was praying for you and praying for this message, I asked God, God, what do we do? What, 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 what's sort of the finality of worship? Like if, if there's a spiritual battle, and there is. And if worship is our only way out of it, and it is. Then, then what's the finality? Like what's the, what's the big idea that we can lift that battle cry to God in the, in the worst seasons of our life, in the times we feel like we're being attacked by the enemy? And I think it's this. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? That worship ultimately is our response in every situation. Now, now I know that seems shallow, and if you're here for the first time, I'm just not a very deep guy. This is about as deep as it's going to get, all right, everybody? But this is our response. It's our response. It's our response. Now, I know that seems shallow, except when you have a bad Tuesday and your response is complaining instead of worship then suddenly it's the most spiritual thing you could possibly do. It, 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 seems, it seems shallow until all hell breaks loose in your marriage and your first response is, I'm done. I've been done with you. I knew this wasn't going to work out. My mama didn't like you and she likes everyone. Anybody? And, and, so, and so we're done. We're calling it quits. We're out of here. No, no, no. And instead of walking away, what if worship was our response? What if we go back to God? And when my kids go sideways and crazy, and Brandy and I have two small children, so I don't have any parenting advice whatsoever. But 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 when your kids are teenagers and and they sort of make a left hand turn out of nowhere, and you think, what happened? And where did this go? And what went wrong? Instead of your first response to be, I can't believe, and why did you? What if you showed them how to worship God? That's our first response in a battle. My response is, I've got a weapon that God gave me. I'm going to use that weapon. To get through in my life. And there's two ways you respond. I didn't put it on the screen, but write it in your notes. By the way, look at your neighbor. If they're not taking notes, ask them why. Why would you, why would you not take notes? Write this down. Worship is our response to God, and it's our response to the battle. Worship is our response to God, and it's our response to the battle. Worship. Worship. Not complaining. Not begging. I, I, I met some Christians. That's their first response. When trouble comes into their life, oh, God, please, please, God, please. Anybody do that on test day? Come on, where you at on that? I've done that. Man, I've been in the middle of the world, and I just think, God, please. God, you know I'm dumb. God, you, you, you formed me a little slow. Come on, somebody. And God, what I, I didn't study, but it wasn't my fault. It was prayer meeting, or what I would blame some, something. God, tell, hey, please, God. And we beg our way out. That's not our first response. And, 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 or, 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 we just, or we back our way out. I, I've, I've always found it interesting when things get hard that people pull away from God and from church. When things get hard or when I lean into God. Not when I pull back. Worship is our first response in, in, in that situation. I, I want it to be natural to you to respond. And listen, it's our response because God came to us first. Can I give you a little theology? Are, are you buckled up? Say amen. 
Let me give you some theology. I, I know what you mean when you say you accepted the Lord. I, I know what you mean. And, and, and you're not wrong to say that you received what Jesus did for you on the cross. But look into my eyes. God's not worried about your acceptance of Him. God's not worried whether you accept Him. You, you and I are the lost ones. God's not lost, everybody. You didn't find God. God found you. Come on, somebody. God accepted me. God brought me into His family. God made the first move to me. God made this downward move from heaven in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible said that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made the first move. Touch your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, God made the first move. He made the first move. He made the first move in my life. I, I know I received what He did on the cross. I know I got saved. I know I accepted that forgiveness and that grace. But God made the first move to me. When I couldn't get to God, God through Jesus came to me. Shout amen to that. And so when you, when you, when you approach God with the right theology that God, I'm not choosing you because I had all these other choices so I just decided I'll give this a try. I've given everything else a try. No, no, no. God, you, you, you adopted me into your family. When you, when you come to God that way, you realize, man, God's been so good to me. God's mercy and grace has been so good to me. Would anybody testify and say, God rescued me from the pit? Come on. Where, where's all my sinners at? That you know God just rescued you and brought you up? Where, 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 where's everybody that was broken when you came to God and God put everything back together in your life? Where, where's somebody who was addicted to something and God delivered you, miraculously brought you out of that thing? Like God found me. Am I preaching to anybody else? All you other spiritual people that were born saved, that's not my story. I was born and raised in church, but I wasn't born saved. Come on, somebody. God found me, rescued me, fixed me, put me back together. And every good thing I have in my life came from God. Everything in my life is a blessing. I tell our staff all the time, we are entitled to nothing and blessed by Everything. We're entitled to nothing. God owes me nothing else. Everything I have is a blessing. I found my wife in church. I've dedicated my babies in church. I raised my children in church. I found my calling in church. Friday night at a youth service. We still did youth service on Friday night. Come on, somebody. This is honest to God. Ask my wife. We got married at 19. Don't do that. We got married at 19. And we could not date on Friday night until we got married. Is that a fact? We ne- I couldn't ever miss, we, we never missed youth service. We just weren't allowed to do it. You can think that's crazy if you want to, but I'm still here 20 years later married to the same girl God used. I found my purpose there on a Friday night. I found what God called us to do. Come on, everything in my life good came from God. Now listen, if you'll approach your life that way, then worship as a response to God just makes sense to you. Because God came to me first. God gave me His mercy. God has been gracious to me. I'm messed up. I'm, I'm cracked in the head. Anybody else? I got, I, got, I got a couple of screws loose. Some of y'all I know. Y'all have got bolts loose. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about bolts. I'm talking about the stuff that should be together is rattling around. Maybe that was first service. Anyway. So we respond to God. Worship is my response. Here's how Paul said it to the, to, to the church at Rome. Look at this. Look at Romans 11. He said, this is my response. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I love the poetry Paul uses in this letter, in, in, the, in the letter to Rome. 
He, he just talks about the riches of the wisdom and knowledge. Oh my, when I look at God and how wise He was in finding me. The knowledge He has about my life. How unsearchable are His judgments. And His paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? In other words, God is so much higher than I am. The, the next slide says, oh, who is His counselor? That, that's so funny to me. Paul said, by the way, God doesn't need to confer with you about anything. God never needs to confer with me about what He wants to do in, in this church or, or, or in my life. God doesn't have a counselor that He goes to and says, guys, what do y'all think? Here's what I'm thinking. No, no, no. God is all powerful in my life. He has wisdom and understanding. Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? One of the biggest mind shifts you can make to make your Christianity work for you, listen, is when you start approaching God as you owe me nothing. God, you don't owe me anything. God, there's nothing that, you should, that, that I, I need repayment for. I deserve death and hell and separation from God. And anything other than that is a blessing from God. Shout amen to that, everybody. Like God doesn't, he doesn't have to repay me anything. But, and, and then Paul just sums it all up like this. He says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. In other words, everything in my life starts is completed, it's involved with, it's God running all through it. It starts with God, it's God in the middle, it's God at the end, it's for Him, it's through Him, it's by Him. Everything in my life comes from God. And then he just sort of ends it with, in light of that, to Him be glory forever. And then he signs it, Amen. Now listen, if you're new to the Bible... Chapters and verses were, were, were added after. Matter of fact, centuries after the Bible was written. This is actually a letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to the church at Rome, the churches at Rome. And so he has a continuation of a thought. And sometimes there is a break in the, in the thought. And we had to separate out chapters and verses. But the thought continues. It happens right here in Romans 11 and 12. Because Paul gives you this beautiful experience that God's come to me. That God's rescued me. That God doesn't need a counselor. That God's got a plan for my life. That God is all wise. That everything is for Him and through Him. And for Him are all, all things. And from Him are all things. And to Him be glory. And then he gives us a response in Romans 12 and 1. It's a new chapter, but it's the same thought. And he says this, Therefore... Every time you see therefore in your Bible, know that whatever follows is about what I just talked about. So when I see therefore, it's a conjunction. In light of everything I just told you, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To offer your bodies, everything you are, to God. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then he answers what I think is the question of this series. In doing so, this is your true and proper worship. Like that's what God is really after. And I've met people who are comfortable with this kind of worship. This kind of worship. But they're not comfortable with their whole life kind of worship. They go to churches that are loud, like this one, and I love it. And, and if you don't like a loud church, you're going to hate heaven. 
I got to be honest with you. Like you just need to stand in the back at heaven. Come on, somebody. I, I, if you read Revelation, I don't know really what it's going to look like, but there's a mosh pit around the throne. I'm just telling you, don't get close. Don't get close because it's loud there. Everybody's screaming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so I, I, I love a church like that. But, I, but, but I, I know Christians who love to sing and love to worship with their actions. But God is looking for your life. And Romans 11 says, God gave it all to me. And Romans 12 says, now he wants all from me. That God gave his all to me. And now he wants all of me. And that, my friends, is the key to winning the war. The reason why sometimes you don't have victory is because you haven't gone all in on the battle. The reason sometimes you keep circling the same mountain, the same desert, the same problem, the same situation. Why do I keep in this? Is because if you, if you haven't gone all in with God... I don't know why you think God is fighting on your behalf. This is my proper worship. That God is asking for all of me. And it's not, it's not me first. It's in response to what God did for me. God always makes more moves than you could. God, God's always, God has made two steps to you. And all you have to do is take one to Him. God has taken the hard thing in Jesus and come to us when we couldn't get... Matter of fact, the prophet says it like this. Who can ascend the holy hill? One who has, whose hands are blameless and without... Well, nobody in here can do that. Everybody's got sin. So how do I get there? And then he said, and then he said the king of glory is coming through the gates. In other words, nobody can get up to God. So God had to come to us. And when you realize that God came to you and rescued you and you have mercy and grace, then God wants all of you. And I'm going to ask this church, and, and, and I know today, especially if you're here for the first time, I, I, I'm, this is kind of a pastoral message, and it's not always that way, but this is a good weekend for me to just pastor you. Is that okay with everybody? If it's not, I'm going to do it anyway because I wrote it down, so... I'm asking this church to go all in. I'm asking you as a believer to finally put all the chips in. Because, because some of us have been standing on the sidelines for so long that you think you standing on the sidelines is actually playing the game. I was not really into sports as a young boy. I know that's hard to imagine looking at me now, but I wasn't terribly athletic and um, whatever. And so I... Uh, I knew, I knew the feeling of not being picked first. Anybody know that? Where's all my husky brothers at? You know that feeling. Nobody? Nobody? There you are. I knew I could see y'all. Whether, whether you, you're just going to leave me up here by myself. I, 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 I knew that feeling. And, uh, and I, remember, I remember getting picked for the kickball team and, and having, to, having to stay on the sidelines but I still got to dress out. I was still on the team, Mark. I still, you know, but I never played a game. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? Where you know, you feel like you're on the team and you tell people, oh, by the way, I'm on the, I play, yeah, pretty much I'm on the football team. I play, uh, pretty much I play D1. And uh, I've never actually played a game. But I mean, if, 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 if the girls, you know, one of them gets hurt, then they put me in. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, I mean, that's, I just, 
And there's some of you who have sat on the sidelines so long, you think that's the game. You think you're actually actively participating in your spiritual formation because you've been on the sidelines so long, you think it's normal to not get out there and get beat up. You think it's normal to not get out there and get your hands dirty. Is this okay, everybody? You think it's normal not to serve, not to give, not to show up, not to, not, not to be a part because you've been on the sidelines so long, you think this is actually playing. Let me let you know a little secret that nobody told me at 14. You're not really on the team, everybody. You're on the team when you're on the field and you're in. I want you to get involved in that, that my whole life is in. That I've responded to God with my whole life. And I'm calling you to all in this fall. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a a, a year-long challenge. I ask you this often, but I'll ask you again. To give us a year of your life in this church. A whole year of your life. And, and, And do everything. Like, do everything. Go all in with God. Show up early. Stay late. If we, if we have a cat skinning, show up for it. Come on, just, just show up for everything. Just, just, just join every group. Just, just go all in with God. And if a year of your life, when you, when you come back next September, next Labor Day, if your life isn't drastically different, meet with me. I, I, I'll help you find a better church. I really will. I just, I just, but it's not fair to God to say, God, I worship you with my hands and with my mouth, but my life I'm going to hold back. And I'm asking you to go all in. To say my whole life. Because you, you made the first move to me. My response to you. My true and proper worship. Is my whole life to you. You say pastor what does it mean to go all in. Let me give you four things. Write these down. I'm asking you to be a giver. To go all in with giving. To, to just decide. I'm going to put God first in my finances. So many of you this year. I, I just recently got a report from our accounting team. How. Many people have begun to tithe this year uh, alone. And I'm so thankful that you're just you're taking that challenge and saying, God, I'm going to put you first in my finances. And I'm going to be real honest with you. Again, this is a little pastoral, but i got to tell you, we move at the pace of your generosity. So we've made a decision as a church. We're not going to just, we're going to work in faith. We're going to take steps of faith. But we're not gonna we're not gonna go borrow a bunch of money and do a bunch of crazy stuff where where, where every, every week I'm up here begging you to help pay the bills. We're not gonna do that. I don't believe in that. If you come from a church like that, I'm not saying they're wrong and we're right. I'm just telling you, I don't think it's God's will that we have to wash cars every week just to pay the mortgage. So I'm committed to you, and I, and 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 our trustees are committing to you that we're not going to overextend this church. But what we are going to do is move at the pace of your generosity. So when you think to yourself, "Man, I wish we had," guess what? So do we. But we've just decided we're going to move at the pace of your generosity. And and we we need staff right now. We're probably understaffed by two or three staff members that we desperately need on, on our team to help minister to you and and our churches. It's only three years old, but it's a big-headed toddler. You know what I'm saying? It's big for its age, you know? And, and it kind of wobbles around like a big-headed toddler. And, and you expect it to do more than it's capable of doing because it's young, but it's big. And I thank God that it's grown. And I thank God that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that call it home. But, but we're, we're, if we're going to take a next step forward as a family, you got to get on the bus and go all in with God you got to say, God, you have every part of me, including my finances. Are you still there? Say amen. I'm asking you to go all in with God. Give it a year of tithing and putting God first and saying yes. Here's the second way you can go all in with God. I'm calling you to just get on the growth track. If you've never been on the growth track, what are you waiting on? 
If you've never gone through, growth track is simple. Let me, let me explain what it is to you. It's a two-class process, two classes. And we put them on the first and second Sunday of every single month. Even on Labor Day, they're in growth track right now. And we call the first step, step one, because we're very creative like that. Step one is always on the first weekend. You see how we do that? Super creative people work for us. And, and on, on step one of the growth track, you can take your first step and just become a member here. And if you've been attending here two or three years and you haven't decided to go all in on the growth track and sign that membership covenant and say, man, this is home to me, let me ask you, it's about time. It's about time. It's about time you just say, okay, God, i got to get planted somewhere, like really planted, like make it my home planted. And, and, and when you go through step one of the growth track, on the second week, we call that step two. There you go. Yeah, and it's always on the second week. Crazy how that happens. Anyway, very, very spirit-led here at City Hills. And so at step two, you can get on the dream team here. You can discover how God designed you. And listen, there's no pressure. Nobody's standing over you at the end of Grow Track going, now what are you going to do? Give us your whole life. So, you know, give us your... Give us your social security number. Anything like that. We're not gonna, all we're going to do is say, hey, God designed you with a purpose. Maybe we can help you open your eyes to the purpose God has. And then we'll just give you some opportunities where you can connect that purpose to other people's lives and make a difference with your life. That's it. Just get on the growth track. Just get on the growth track. And, and, and start serving. Start, just, just become a part. Just show up early and stay late today for loadout. Stay late today for loadout and just be at loadout. Or maybe consider loadout or, I don't know, stick around for loadout. If nothing else, go to loadout. Just do something, you know, just, just make it home. Make it home. I'm all in with God. Get on the growth track. Let me give you the, me give you the next way. The third way is join a connect group. Listen, if you're going to go all in with God, you've got to go all in with God's people. I'm, I'm going to hurt your theology, but listen to me. There is no such thing as a disconnected Christian. It's not possible. Jesus taught the parable. There is no such thing as a disconnected branch from the vine. You have to be connected to somebody. You are designed by God to connect to something. You're designed by God. Adam and God ate dinner together every single night in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden. You read it for yourself. The Bible said they walked together in the cool of the evening every single night. And one night, I don't know how many nights, it could have been thousands of years that God and Adam walked together and one night God looked at Adam and said why are you so alone what do you mean I'm alone I have God by my side yeah but I didn't just design you to connect with me I designed you to connect with somebody else and that night God puts him in a deep sleep and gives him Eve because you were created for community you were formed for God's family I've got all these alliterations I won't stop unless you amen there you go You've got, you've, got purpose. you've got something in you and somebody else is designed to connect with you. You can get saved by yourself, but you can't stay saved by yourself. Put me on record as that. I, I don't believe people who say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, listen, if you love Mitch, you get Brandy because that's my bride. And the church is his bride. And if you love Jesus, you got to get connected to his bride, everybody. That's just all there is to it. You need today. Come on, we're butter together. 
today, <laughs> today you can connect. You can find a place. We have a free market connect groups. Any, anything. I'm telling there's shoot. This is Texas. One of our biggest men's group is a shooting group. Every, we don't shoot each other. But they go, they go to tart, like they go out and, and like they, it's just anything. Golf. You can play golf. It's spiritual to play golf, everybody. It can be spiritual to play pickleball. I don't even know there was such a thing as pickleball. It's spiritual. We have walking groups. We have underwater basket weaving groups. We have book studies. If you're a Bible study kind of person, and if you don't know where to go today, let me just encourage you and I'll leave you alone. Let me encourage you today. Join a freedom group. If you don't know what to do and you don't know which group to join and you've never been through freedom, we're, we're taking the first 50. And I'm telling you, when they fill up, they're full. Matter of fact, I think one of them may, may be close to, to just full. And it's because we, we want to walk with you in 12 weeks through what we think is God's best plan in your life. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't need a 12-step program. I'm not an addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, look at me. You don't have to be an addict to need freedom. You just have to live longer than one day. And if you live longer than one day, you've got a past. And everybody has something in their past they need to settle in their lives. Join a connect group. Join a connect group. Here's the last thing. I want you to be a bringer. I want you to be a bringer. Be a bringer. Bring somebody along for the journey. Now this is kind of a dangerous question because it could go south. But I'm going to ask you. Over the last three years, our three-year birthday, I told you is this month. Over the last three years... Whether you just got here or you've been here the whole time, how many of you could say that there's something that happened in this church, an encounter with God or in a group or at growth track or on a team, or that, that God has used this church to change your life and a part of your life? Would you just raise your hand? Come on, hands up everywhere. Hands up absolutely everywhere. Now listen, look at me. Why would you keep that to yourself? If you had the cure for cancer, it would be the worst thing, in the, poss- the worst thing you could do to hold that in. If God's changed your life and used this church to change your life, why don't you bring somebody along for the journey? Like next, like next week, like, like a part of that series, like it at the movies, or, or whenever it is between now and Christmas, I'm just asking you, be a bringer, bring somebody along. It is my response to God to give Him all of me. Say amen to that. Come play, Henry. Here's the last thing. i got to hurry. i got 30 seconds to preach it, so I won't get it all. Wednesday night, if you were here, you heard Pastor Jeremy, my friend, and believe this or not, you don't have to believe me, but I can tell you, I have saved this story until the last message. I wanted to preach this story to you on week one of this series, and I felt like God told me to, to save it, and I have, and it, it was in my notes all month long to preach to you today what he preached to you Wednesday night. And so I... At dinner that night, I, you know, after I, I told him how bad he was for doing that, and the, I, I asked him, I said, what, 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 what do you think I should do? And he, and he said to me, he said, this is what God's telling me to tell you, that God wants you to double down on that story, that there has to be a reason he gave it to both of us, because your church needs to double down on it. So tell the story. So I'll tell the story. Jehoshaphat is king of Judah and Israel. And Jehoshaphat is facing the hardest battle of his reign. He's being attacked by his worst enemies. Israel had enemies all around it, still does to this day, surrounding it. That's, isn't it funny how God chose a piece of real estate and then put enemies all around it? And you thought you were going to escape a battle. 
And so Israel has the worst enemies attacking it. The Ammonites and the Moabites and the termites and all the other hides are coming against, coming against Israel. And Jehoshaphat is worried. Jehoshaphat has already had a tough reign. It's already been a tough season. Maybe you know the feeling. I've already been in a tough season. And now this? Now this? Like God, really, that's what you're going to do now? Like I can't have a single month without a problem? Or You know how bad last year was and now this? You know how hard I fought to get here and now this? The Ammonites are attacking on one side. The Moabites are coming up from the backside. And, and, and it's just, it's awful. And Jehoshaphat does what any good leader who follows God would do. Read it for yourself. I don't have time to tell you, but 2 Chronicles tells the story how Jehoshaphat bows on his face, the Bible actually says. And he prayed and he worshiped God. And, 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 he, and he leads all of the children of Israel to do the same, by the way. All the leaders. It's why we do 21 days of prayer here. Because I, I, I want this whole church to, to be focused on what God... His first response wasn't to complain to God. God, why the Ammonites? God, anybody but the Moabites. No, no, no. He just lays flat on the ground in front of all of Israel. And he worships God. And the Bible says this sentence. You can read it for yourself. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. Jehaziel was just a normal guy in the army. And the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Would you let me be that Jehaziel prophetic voice to you today? The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. And Jehaziel stood up. Now get get the picture. There's war all around. Things are going crazy. The Ammonites are attacking. We're outnumbered. It's the worst possible scenario in our marriage, in our family, in our kids. I I don't know what what it is for you, but it's the worst battle. And, And Jehoshaphat the king is laid out and Jehaziel stands up and says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, I've got a word from God. I want this word from God to be the word for you today. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I don't have time to tell you, but fear and discouragement hold hands in your life. If you'll let fear reign in your life, you'll be discouraged every day of your life. If you let discouragement get you down, you'll be afraid of everything. Fear and discouragement are hand-holding every time you're in a spiritual battle. And Jehaziel says, God says through Jehaziel, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, Jehoshaphat. Because of this vast army in front of you. The next slide. For the battle is, I I waited the whole series to tell you this. (laughs) The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle isn't yours to begin with. So I had to get you to believe it was a spiritual battle. Then I had to tell you, oh, by the way, it's not even yours. It's God's. That battle with your children isn't yours. It isn't between you and your kids. It isn't between you and your spouse. It isn't between you and your finances. It isn't between you and your boss. It isn't between you and your ex-husband. It isn't between you and your joy. It's God's. God will fight for you. God has this battle. This is, this is, and, and so, and so listen, hang on, listen. 
So tomorrow, march down against them. I don't have time. I, I preach too long. Henry, don't let me do that no more. You've still got a part to play. <laughs> you can't sit back and just say, okay, go get them, God. Tomorrow, you've got to get up and march back into that office. Tomorrow, you've got to march back into that bedroom of that lost teenager and lay on that bed and ask God and fight hell. To, to, tomorrow you're still going to have to get, get back in that bedroom with your spouse and say we, we, we're going to have to fight for our marriage we're going to have to God's, God put us together He's got a plan for us tomorrow march down and, and then Pastor Jeremy told you but I'll tell you again God tells Jehoshaphat where the enemy is because Jehoshaphat can't see where they are God sees where your enemy is before you ever will aren't you glad God has perspective you don't have God says, hey, I can see them coming up the pass of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert there. I just want you to know I'm watching out for you before you can even see what's coming. I got your back. I'm covering you. I see what you don't see. I see everything coming against you. And and I'm ready to fight for you. And then he says this amazing thing to Jehoshaphat. You will not have to fight this battle you're going to have to march down there but you don't have to fight it you do have a role to play you got to take up your positions and stand firm what's your positions I don't know I think for me it would be get on the growth track and join the dream team and be a part of a connect group and be a giver and bring people to church and just go all in with God and if you'll take your position God will take his You'll see the deliverance of the Lord that God will give you and Judah and Jerusalem. And don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Go out tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now wait, here's here's the part I had to tell you. So Jehoshaphat does just that. He he gets up and he he, he does something crazy. He tells the, the army, I want you guys to stand back. And I want the choir... He actually appointed singers, which I think is pretty funny. Because if we appointed singers, come on, some of y'all can't sing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like Here at City Hills, you have to audition and sing. But he just appointed, you're a singer, you're a singer, you're a singer, you're a singer, you're a singer. Get out front. And you don't have any weapons except singing. Oh, God. You don't have any weapons. Everybody with all the guns and ammo are behind you. All you have is your voice. And when you get out front, I want you to sing about how good God has been. All I want you to do is worship God. And, and, and they did. And the singers go down. And the army's like, Jehoshaphat's lost his mind. Jehaziel's an idiot. I don't know what we're going to do. Singers are out front. Everybody with machine guns is in the back. But they began to sing in praise, verse 22. And the Lord did what He promised to do. If you'll do what you're supposed to do. God set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab. Who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. God plans to give you victory. If you'll go all in. If you'll just say yes. If you'll just put all the chips in. If you'll worship with your whole life. And if your response to the battle is worship first. Worship in the middle. Worship at the end. God is to be praised.